What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show. Today we're doing a solo episode, which I will admit I have been doing a little bit less of this past year. Um, I think it got to a point, first of all, I've really enjoyed I've enjoyed the podcast that we've been putting out. Um, really enjoyed having you know guests on here, people that are experts in certain topics and, and kind of shedding some light on things. And I really enjoy actually being an interviewer. It's definitely something that I do enjoy. It's a part of the podcasting you know process that I do enjoy. But it, I kind of got away from doing like longer form solo episodes and, and I was trying to figure out why that was. And I think it's because I was just building them up like needing them to be so perfect, like doing such a high amount of work on the front end, researching, making an outline, making sure I was staying very concise that all of a sudden it felt like a big, a bigger burden than I would have, you know, liked it to be. And so I'm challenging myself. I'm going to make some more solo episodes, at least, you know, one a month, if not more, um, because I really do enjoy it. And so I think I'm just going to meet myself where I'm at and say, Hey, why don't you just sit down with a couple of spark notes and kind of shoot the shit, and uh, I bet you'll do fine, and that's kind of where we're at today, and so what we're going to be talking about today is a gentle shift in approach that I have had in the last couple of years, uh, but maybe even more so right now as of this recording. I'll be, you know, it's like right at during a time where I'm taking on some new one-on-one clients, and so this sort of shift in mentality, this uh, this emphasis on like having a prerequisite, things that, you know, a pre-fat loss checklist or whatever uh, is really top of mind for me as I take on some new clients right now. Um, and so essentially what I'll be talking about today is why I'm all like gung ho kind of doubling down on this approach of focusing on, you know, certain habits first. That's what we're talking about here. You know, this idea that, you know, in, before attempting a calorie deficit, we should work on other habits first. We should have other things in check. We should be doing other things on a regular basis before working on fat loss, right? So I'll be talking about why I'm all gung ho slash doubling down on this approach, uh, and then I'll be talking about what my, you know, kind of either sp very specific prerequisites or just loosely the, the kind of buckets that we'll be looking at. Um, and the reason I'm doubling down on this approach, and again, this approach is just, you know, if I take on a, being very explicit, if I take on a new client, like we're, we are not attempting a calorie deficit until we are doing X, Y, and Z consistently. We feel good about it. It feels sustainable. Right, And so there's going to be a list. I will get to them in the second half of this episode of what those specific things are. But there's a general idea of, you know, not having clients try and figure it out or really work on habit formation while they're in a deficit. Like we're looking at this, or at least now I'm looking at this very much from a, we're building the base first. We're working on healthy habits first. We're working on, you know, certain things that are going to make your quality of life, and and if you want to do fat loss in the future, all easier. And I'm and I'm really doubling down on doing that first. And I'm going to talk about why, and then we'll talk about what those things are, and then we'll you know we'll wrap this thing up here. And so a couple of reasons why I'm you know all gung ho doubling down on this sort of an approach. Number one is these things that we're going to talk about, these foundational habits. Um, you know, yeah, habits um, are going to make you healthier improve your health and improve your quality of life independent from fat loss. And so even if you're somebody who does want to lose fat, chances are ho hopefully there's a health-related motivator there. And yeah, okay, having excess adiposity, extra body fat, generally not great for health. Losing some of that body fat, generally a good idea for, or, or generally will improve health. Um, but there are other things you could be doing independent from body fat loss that can improve your health. And so these things that I would have in my list of fat loss prerequisites are things that are going to improve your health, likely to improve your health, 
independent from fat loss. At the end of the day, I don't, I'm not a fat loss coach. You know, I'm not like, oh, I coach people on fat loss. Like I very much view myself as a quality of life coach. Like if the end goal in people's lives is to have a good quality of life and to, you know, have the highest amount of like net fulfillment and net happiness that they can have, then I want to play a part in that. And obviously my instruments are going to be, you know, habits around nutrition and exercise. And so what I'm really trying to do with a client is make them the most happy, right? Improve their life the most. And, you know, within my scope of habit formation from a nutrition and exercise perspective. Um, and so when I, when you start to think of it that way, where you're like, I'm not, we're not, I'm not a fat loss coach. We're not just trying to lose fat, lose fat, lose fat, lose fat. That might be one part of what we do at some point for some people, but the goal is to improve quality of life and these habits, these prerequisites, prerequisites in my opinion, oh, not in my opinion, it's kind of factual here, are very likely to improve health independent of fat loss. And so we're talking about an ability to work on habits that are going to help you whether you go on to lose fat or not in terms of quality of life, longevity, overall health, all of that good stuff. Help you feel better, help you move better, all that stuff. Um, Number two is they will make any future potential purposeful attempts at fat loss easier. And so if you have XYZ things foundationally in check, you know, with things like sleep and movement and exercise and, and overall nutrition, if you can get a lot of really good healthy habits in check, it will make any potential purposeful future fat loss attempts easier not complicated. If you have a lot of your healthy habits in check, then sustaining a calorie deficit from a physical and mental perspective will be easier. And so again, it's independently going to help your health. And if you end up trying to lose fat on purpose later, um, it's going to help you make that easier. Not just the doing, but the sustaining. Uh, Reason number three is these habits, while the goal of doing these habits, let's say it's you know focusing on sleep or exercise or nutrition quality or fiber, whatever it is. Um, the goal of those is not necessarily to lose fat, but in combination, a lot of these habits, they might lead to fat loss on their own. And if they lead to health improvements independent of fat loss, and they can lead to some, maybe some fat loss just on their own without you needing to meticulously track your calories or God forbid all three macros, um, that's awesome. I mean, it's not something we're putting up on a pedestal, but it's a really nice byproduct because if we agree that we're not really doing them to specifically lose fat right now, right? We're doing them for the independent health benefits and they're going to make fat loss any purposeful attempts that you might do later easier. And they might lead to some fat loss just generally on their own. That could be really great. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to help our clients do this stuff with as little effort as possible. And if they have fat loss goals, then maybe having that kind of just happen naturally as we work on some healthy habits, that's a really nice kind of just um, easy win. Not easy necessarily, but like non-intentional, non like really hyper-focused on calories win that you can get just by, you know, improving some or forming um, and and making more sustainable some of these habits, making some of these habits more sustainable. Um, And the fourth reason is from my experience, these all overlap, obviously. Um, From my experience, sustaining fat loss is tough. Attaining and sustaining fat loss is tough. I mean, that's not a shocker. That's not a bold statement. Like, we suck at sustaining fat loss. Like we're just, no, it's not this like 95% of people who lose the weight gaining back. That's that's an incorrect statistic. But I promise you, the our weight loss maintenance, people's ability to maintain weight loss, those statistics, whatever they are, which there is no perfect statistic out there, um, it's dog shit. It's abysmal. Like we're not good at it. Uh, and 
what I've seen is one of the big reasons why that is, is a lack of foundation building, a lack of these healthy habits being built prior to pursuing fat loss. Um, And even very specifically in my experience with my clients, I see that, again, quite a generalization, but it's it's a generalization that has been built upon experience. Um, Is that clients that seem to struggle more with not just getting fat loss, but sustaining it in a mentally and physically healthy way afterwards, tend to be missing some of these. There tend to be some of these that we might call something like a bottleneck, where it's like, hey, this is the thing that's really holding you back from making this whole process a lot easier. Um, And on the flip side, clients that tend to have more success with these things have the foundational habits dialed in a bit more. And that's something I don't want to say is 100% on both ends, but it's, it's quite high. And it's something that's become more and more tangible to me lately, almost to the degree in which I'm starting to feel guilty about previous experiences with clients over the last decade where, you know, you know, I'll get to this in a second, I guess. Um, And I'll get to that because I think it's an important point. But the truth is, can you put someone in a deficit and work on these habits at the same time? Like, can you work on sleeping better, eating more protein, fiber, whatever it is, walking more, while you are in a calorie deficit? It's possible. There's just like no physiological reason, technical reason that you can't do them. The, the, the problem is that while technically correct, technically true, you can do those things at the same time. There's just a le- lower likelihood of you actually doing all of that stuff if you're in a deficit because you're so focused on the calories, so focused on the scale, so focused on fat loss as an end that you know the other healthy habits while it would make some intuitive sense that you would see them as roots to making the fat loss goal more productive, they're just harder to focus on. While you have less energy, while you're more food focused, they tend to fall a little bit by the wayside. They tend to be, it tends to be a little bit easier chronologically to work through these foundational healthy habits before moving into a fat loss phase. And there's a sentiment, which I'll kind of go into my like sort of guilt here. There's a sentiment out there amongst coaches of like, hey, like, like a lot of coaches will be listening to me and they're like nodding along. They're like, yeah, I get that. Building a foundation of healthy habits is good, independent by itself, might cause spontaneous fat loss on its own and will make fat loss attempts, purposeful fat, purposeful fat loss attempts in the future easier. Everyone's nodding along, but they're thinking to themselves, yeah, you know, but like that's a tough sell for clients. And so sometimes what we gotta do is we gotta give the client, I'm, 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 we gotta give the client what they want so that we can give them what they need. It's like, give in to what they want when they you know first hire you, which is to pursue fat loss, so that you can get some buy-in, so that you can work on this stuff later. Um, you know, the idea being, if you have a client come to you and he or she wants to lose fat, and you're like, hey, we're not gonna do that for like one to several months from now, because we're gonna work on this other stuff, that you might lose them, and that ultimately that might not be the best way to help the most people. That's the sentiment. And I used to say this shit all the time. Oh, you know, like if I had a client who like really wanted to like lose fat and I could tell they were super motivated, I might bypass this and be like, you know what? They're super motivated. Like we'll work on this like as we go. And I used to tell myself that it was this element of giving clients a little bit of what they want so that you could ultimately give them what they need. And I honestly, that's just, I don't want to be overly kind of blunt here, but this is, this is bullshit. It's just bullshit. It's in my opinion now, after having done that for a while, like it's just bullshit. It is a way for coaches to rationalize not doing the thing that is best for you. The thing that is best for you nine times out of 10, because I will say this doesn't go for every person all the time, 
is to not focus on fat loss right away, is to get your healthy foundational habits in check in a sustainable way that you enjoy for the long term first. And so this like give them what they need, give them what they want, so they can give them what they need. It's really just it, I'm telling you, it's mostly bullshit because the 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 coach doesn't want to lose the client as a customer. And if they pitch, hey, we're not going to lose fat for the next three, we're not even going to try a deficit for the next three months, like that's a tougher sell. And you'll you won't gain as many clients in the short term. I would argue that in the long term, you will help more people, which will ultimately pay dividends over the long term. But it's it's an excuse. It's an, it's the easy way out. Stop doing this. Like coaches, stop doing this. Clients. Stop going in with the anticipation that you're just going to jump right into a fat loss phase without your habits in check and you're just going to figure it out as you go. Like you should be hiring a coach, even if your goal is fat loss, with the understanding that maybe you should sharpen your ax first before you go out into the forest trying to chop down trees. Like that this should be more normalized that, hey, like the buy-in for me as a coach, the buy-in for you as a client to get me to coach you for fat loss is doing XYZ consistently. Because if you're not doing that stuff, your success, per- your your percent uh, chance of long-term success is so freaking low um, because it's these things that will make that sustenance easier, that's sustaining that thing easier. Um, and so I just plead to all coaches like, just get rid of that party that's like, give them what they want so I can give them what they need. Like, nah, you're just cashing in right now because you're nervous about pitching a longer term approach. Um, and recently I've upped my minimum coaching to six months and I don't I don't care. I'm gonna lose some people that way. There are gonna be some people that are like, wow, six months, like that's a long commitment. I, I don't I don't wanna commit that long. It's like, I wanna be just very blunt with you. Like that is like, Six months, you know, isn't even as long as it takes, but it takes longer than you want because you should be focusing on these healthy habits, sharpening your axe, getting your fat loss prerequisites, your healthy habits in check first. And so if you see a coach that doesn't have a minimum requirement of time, like that's a red flag. That's like a, that they just want your money right now. And I'm not being cynical. I'm not, sorry, I didn't mean for that all to come out. Like I'm shitting on coaches who do certain things, but as a client, as a savvy client looking for a coach, like, you should be looking for a coach who's talking about the long term, looking for a coach who has a minimum time requirement of working together um, because you should want those things and you should want to be, you should be acknowledging that the route to the quality of life improvements that you're after, they take longer than you think and they involve habit formation, uh, changes to your routine and your lifestyle, you know, changes to your mindset and perspective, starting to understand what you really want out of all of this. Like the the real the real stuff just takes longer. And if you're hiring a coach, it's like, bam, fat loss right away. Uh, I don't need to hear anything about you. We can just jump into a fat loss phase. Like that, I'm not saying that categorically that will never work. I'm just saying it's a smidge of a red flag to me. It's not how I would like to operate in the future. I think as an industry, you know, it's, it's funny because as I'm saying all this stuff, like, the, the TLDR on this is, hey, let's focus on healthy habits first and fat loss second. And I just, the way, when I say that, I get a little sick to my stomach because we're so fucking late on that as an industry. Like, you know, we're, we're just really late to the party with that as a realization. And, and I am too. And I've tried my best over my career to work on healthy habits, but I've never been as abrupt about it as I am these days of like, I just, I just have seen too much of people who don't eat enough protein, don't eat enough fiber, don't get enough sleep, don't move enough, don't work out consistently enough, who are trying to sustain a calorie deficit. And it's just either works for the mega, mega short term and then doesn't work for the long term because you don't have those habits in check that are actually gonna allow you to sustain it and maintain it. Um, 
or it doesn't work at all. And we just kind of spin our wheels for several, several months. And sure, I'm collecting money during that time. That's great, but I'm not doing what's best for the client. So uh, anything else I want to say before we go into the um, what the prerequisites are? Um, not really. At the end of the day, I'm not doing that anymore. If you if you meet up with me, if you, you hire me as a coach, like we're going to go through this checklist. You're going to show me you have these habits in check. If you don't, we're going to work on them. We're going to figure out what iterations of them work best for you, are sustainable for you, you know, kind of are, are required for the goal that you say you have. And we're going to get those in check first. We're not doing that while we're in a calorie deficit where we're hyper food focused, hyper scale focused, hyper calorie focused. It just doesn't work that well. And it might work, by the way, I'm going to be clear, little disclaimer, like maybe there are people out there that did this. By the way, I've had, let me be very clear, I've had a high number of clients do this and find some success, but not a high percentage of clients do this and find success. And so there are people out there that are like, no, nah, you know, I, I worked on my habits and did a calorie deficit at the same time. I did great and I've sustained it. That's awesome. I promise you though, you are in the vast minority. And so just for the sake of doing the most good for the most people, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit more, um, bl- yeah, blunt. I'm going to just kind of defend or, or, um, you know, make fat loss something that we need to have certain things in check for. And we're really going to double down on that because I've just seen such a greater success when I do that. And the percent success rate when I don't isn't as high as I'd like. And I think we can do better as an industry, as coaches, but I also just, not coming at you guys, but I also think as a customer, you need to start looking for that. You need to start looking for people that are talking about the long-term, people that are have a minimum requirement of months that they need to work together, that are focused on healthy habit formation. It's not just here are your macros, go. Like It needs to be about healthy habit formation. And I am obviously making this whole fucking podcast because I believe that chronologically speaking, it should be the foundation first. Trying to do them at the same time while technically is possible, it's just way less likely. And it's worth one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months of your time to build these foundations now. I mean, we're like your goal better be to be as healthy, to, to have the highest quality of life for the longest period of time. We're talking about decades, decades here, you know? So if it takes you one year of habit formation, right? I know that we all want it now, but if it took you one year and you were now able to sustain this for the rest of your life, that is such unbelievably time and money well spent. A lot of people are like, I need results tomorrow. I'm not worried about the habit formation. I'll figure that as out as we go. Tell me how many calories to eat. Just, it's not gonna work for most people. Cool. So what are the prerequisites that I use in my coaching? Fat loss checklist, fat loss prerequisites, fat loss non-negotiables, whatever. Those are interchangeable to some degree. To me, they're prereqs. They're things that I need to see that you have in check, right? And quote, air quote, in check might be, consistently doing for a month and giving me feedback that you feel that they're sustainable and that you feel good about them and you're in mentally a good place with them. Um, Not, oh, I'm doing all the things on Jordan's checklist, but it's fucking killing me and I hate it and I'm never gonna sustain it because this doesn't match my preference. It needs to be something that matches your preference that you can sustain, that you feel good about. Um, These are in no particular order. I just kind of jotted them down here. Um, There are one, two, three, four, five, six... Six of them, honorable mention, seven. And so the first one's eating at least 0.75 grams per pound of protein. Um, that number can change a little bit, uh, the 0.75 gram per pound mark. Um, but, you know, I've been a little bit, not flip-floppy, but there's been a recent uh, reanalysis of certain literature that's actually kind of pushed the low end threshold of protein lower uh, of like, hey, if you get 
this amount or more, um, you're probably good. That number used to be like a gram per pound. It's like, you got to eat a gram per pound or you're missing out on notable gains. And then it was like 0.8 grams per pound. But more recently, you know, reanalysis of the literature by Eric Trexler, guys at Stronger by Science have uh, shown that it might be lower than that. Now, why? so why is my number, maybe, you know, maybe their analysis is like, hey, 0.66 gram per pound. That's where we start to see a big diminishing return. And if you can get up to there, you're probably good. Um, the reason I go a smidge higher is for satiety purposes. Um, I've been finding that if people hang out at the very, very low end, it tends to make the overall satiety, the overall total satiety of their diet a little bit lower. And yeah, again, that, that can change from the individual. I, I have clients who have had success with less protein. That's totally fine. But I need you eating enough protein consistently um, for satiety purposes, obviously for muscle building and muscle maintenance purposes. And also for general improved nutrition quality, I find quite often that um, people eat low protein. It's it's rare that they're eating a low protein diet, but a very high fruit and vegetable diet and a very high like legume and seed diet. Like most people who eat a very low protein diet are eating, again, it's a big generalization here, but most of what I see is if you're eating a very low protein diet, chances are you're also someone whose overall nutrition quality isn't that great. And when you increase protein, what ends up happening is very generally, again, what I've seen is people start to cook more. People start to build more balanced meals right? Instead, when you end up focusing on more protein, what ends up happening is good things, good knock-on effects also kind of happen in terms of the food choices that you tend to make. Um, again, not all the time, but that is something that I do see. The next one is is getting more than 8,000 steps per day. Um, if you just, if you're trying to lose weight on like four to 6,000 steps per day, the calories are just going to have to go so freaking low that it's just going, it's already difficult to lose fat. If you're sedentary and trying to lose fat, like you're just cart before the horse, setting yourself up for failure. It's just either not going to work at all or not going to be very sustainable. Um, Again, is it possible? Could you just eat less and make up for the fact that you're not very active? Yeah, mathematically you could, but practically, man, like if I were to make a binary statement of like my clients who find success are the ones that move more than 8,000, that's kind of the threshold that I've chosen. And the clients that tend to struggle are the clients that move less than that because their calories would have to go so low to uh, offset the lack of activity. Yeah, it becomes less sustainable. It tends to be more sustainable to be moderately active, more than 8,000 steps per day, because of the caloric burn benefits, obviously, uh, but also from an appetite regulation standpoint. We see that as people go from sedentary to moderately active, which I'll just kind of arbitrarily say is north of 8,000 steps, um, we see that there actually tends to be a tighter regulation between um, hunger and satiety in terms of how hungry you are and how satiated and satisfied you get. We tend to see those things come closer together when people go from sedentary to moderately active. And so obviously there's a calorie burn benefit here, but there's also an appetite regulation going from sedentary. And if you're getting less than 8,000 steps, like you're fairly sedentary, um, you know? And again, this is kind of like, again, this is like, I've chosen some of these like hard and fast rules, but yeah, all right, 7,500, is that much worse? No, uh, these aren't like black and white, hard and fast uh, rules that, you know, if you go even a smidge below, all of a sudden you mess something up. But I just don't think anybody should be trying to lose fat before trying to be a bit more active. It just isn't a strategy that's gonna work out most of the time. And and some people out there are like, Jordan, I, my lifestyle, I just can't get that many steps. I, I get 6,000 steps per day. Am I just never allowed to attempt fat loss? No, but 
shit, man, it's gonna be a whole fuckload harder. And I highly recommend us trying to figure out ways to get more activity in. It's 2023. We can be super creative. We can get walking pads. We can, you know, figure out times during the day where you can move. We can adjust the way you're training, whatever it is. Like the, the time that you have, you know, we can maybe make more of it. <clears throat> and so I highly recommend that. If someone's out there like, getting four to 6,000 steps per day, like that loss is gonna be really, 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 really tough based on how low your calories are gonna get. And you're maybe missing out on some of that appetite regulation as well. The third one is, uh, 15 grams of fiber per thousand calories. Now that's fairly uh, a fairly rough estimate. Everybody's different in terms of fiber needs, fiber benefits, fiber um, how much fiber you can stand from a GI perspective. But roughly 15 grams of fiber per thousand calories. So if you're on 1500 calories, we're in that like 20 to 25 gram. Um, if you're on 2000 calories, we're in that like 25 to 30 grams. Um, and this is going to do several things. It's going to help a ton from satiety, both from fiber satiating, but also foods that are high in fiber, fruits, vegetables, etc., tend to be also high in volume. Not all of them, um, but many of them, which also is going to help with satiety. Also good for gut health, just generally gut health is the biggest fucking buzzword that apparently has to do with every single thing you do in life. Everyone's so obsessed with it. How about we actually eat enough fiber, right? That's certainly something that I'm, man, I'm coming down hard on these days. We need 15 grams of fiber-ish per thousand calories that you're eating for gut health, for satiety, and for overall nutrition quality, right? Getting in more micronutrients in general, feeling better so that everything you do will be easier in the future, right? And, and, Again, these things are independently helpful, independent of weight loss. Like increasing protein from a muscle building perspective technically has nothing to do with fat loss, but building muscle, independently good for health. Getting more steps per day, yeah, it burns more calories. It's also good for mental health. It's also good for cardiovascular health. It's also good for mobility, um, especially if you're going outside, the mental health part. And so independent of fat loss, if you're getting 4,000 steps, going up to 8,000 steps, it's gonna improve your health, independent of fat loss. Um, getting 15 grams of fiber, eating more fiber, going to improve your health independent of fat loss. But if you're not doing these three things and you start doing these three things, one, you're gonna improve your health independent of fat loss. Two, I bet you, you feel a little bit better and feel a little bit more satiated and maybe even lose a little bit of fat just by doing these things. Not because something special is happening, but just because you're so, you feel so much better, you're moving a bit more, you're a bit more satiated, it might naturally bring your calories down, your calorie burn up, maybe creates a deficit on its own. And third, because these things will make future fat loss because you feel better on all fronts, more satiated, more energized, uh, future purposeful attempts at fat loss easier. Number four is at least one cardio session per week. This is not one that you uh, may have expected to hear from me if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time. I think steps are great. I think walking is amazing. I mean, walking is is so ridiculously underrated. It's, please, walking so fucking important. But it's probably true that there's a meaningful enough gap in terms of overall health by not doing cardio that I think people should do cardio. Um, listen, I know that when we talk about getting steps and doing cardio and lifting, it's like, where do we find all the time for this? And that's why I think just doing at least one cardio session, and frankly, I'm becoming a little less bullish on how many times people need to weight train per week, which is the next one. Um, so weight train per week, at least two to four times. Uh, that's my next kind of fat loss prerequisite. Like, I, again, losing weight uh, or lifting weights doesn't it doesn't directly lead to fat loss outside of the calories that you burn, which is very little um, in a weight training session. But you just gotta lift weights, man. You don't need to be the, be a bodybuilder. But lifting weights is literally the fountain of youth. 
And it's, it's such a unique stimulus from a bone density perspective, from a tendon and joint health, from a muscle building, like anti-diabetic, anti-hypertensive, neurodegenerative. It's such a unique stimulus. We just need to be doing it. It's so freaking important. You know, I'm looking at the future of a combination of weights and cardio where you're doing two to four weight training sessions per week, making sure that you're kind of checking that box of muscle growth, bone density, joint, tendon, integrity, all that stuff. Um, but also doing at least one cardio session where you're specifically pursuing enhanced cardiovascular adaptations. I think they're both important and they're so important that I think they are a prerequisite to fat loss because of the independent benefits in terms of health, but also because how they will help you from a fat loss perspective in the long run. Um, and the last one that's definite, a definite prerequisite for me these days is an eating pattern that you can articulate and stick to on most days. What I mean is that I, you don't need to eat the exact same food at the exact same time every single day forever. But if you open your fridge at random times per day with no clue what you're going to eat, thinking that you're going to make it up on the fly three to five times per day, and that is going to be a strategy that allows you to add, stick to a calorie deficit or even calorie maintenance, you're, you know, you're... You're, you're incorrect, let's just say, without mass profanity here. You're incorrect. This is not going to happen. You are not going to make it up as you go every day for every meal. It's unlikely. I mean, if you polled, which they've done, um, people who find success with fat loss and weight maintenance, very high up that list is consistent meal pattern and consistent like meal items, like actual foods that they eat, like a, like a general lack of variety. Now I'm not saying that you should eat, you know, five foods and nothing else at the same time, every day, same amounts, everything. But on the spectrum of make it the fuck up every single day from scratch and eat the same shit every day at the same exact time, I think we can all move a little bit towards that one and just build a little bit of structure and consistency about around our food pattern. Now that doesn't mean, again, Every single day needs to be the same thing at the same time every day. But I bet you the people that you see in your life that have had success with this have a bit of consistency and continuity about their eating style. And when I say an eating pattern that you can articulate, I don't need it to be super neurotic. But if I ask you, hey, how many meals do you eat per day and when do you eat them? You should, you, you should say something like, well, it's not exactly the same every day, but generally this is it. Like if you can't articulate that to me and you can't stick to it most days, you just your likelihood of success in this sort of weight maintenance, weight loss, nutrition side of things is just lower to a degree in which I think it's worth working on this first. You know, could you make it up every day and and make nutritious meals and hit your calories and all that? Of course you could. You could just make it up. You could. You could do that. It's just highly unlikely. And I think building a meal pattern will help you regardless of fat loss right now. Um, It will help you improve the way you feel, energy levels, likely nutrition quality because you're actually doing some form of planning. Um, and I just think it's a, a, a huge, huge help. If you can't articulate to your coach, to me, if you're hiring me, um, what your meal pattern is like, you know, whether that's also with what foods you're going to eat, but hey, I eat breakfast around this time or I don't eat breakfast. I eat lunch around this time. I have a snack between lunch and dinner and then I have dinner with my family around this time. And then maybe I have a snack after. Whatever, whatever it is, there's no better or worse meal pattern, there's only one that you can stick to and adhere to and be consistent with. And if you can't articulate what that is, if you haven't established that as some a consistent routine, then that's something I would recommend doing first. And the honorable mention, which frankly deserves to be both, in my opinion, the most important, but at the same time, I put it as an honorable mention for reasons I'll discuss, is being in your bed for eight hours a night. And I phrase it that way because I think it's a little bit easier to help clients with what we would call a sleep opportunity, which is the 
opportunity you're giving your body and mind to sleep. And that is a just kind of a definition for, or the definition of that is just hours that you spend in bed trying to sleep. And you're like, hey, I go to bed at 10, I wake up at six. That's an eight hour sleep, sleep opportunity. You don't sleep for every minute that you are in your bed. Even if it feels like that, even if you knock out the minute your head hits the pillow and you don't move a muscle until you wake up at six, technically you're not actually asleep for all those times. If you've ever worn an aura ring or done a sleep study, you would know that you are technically awake during periods of time. Um, and so I think it's a little bit more objective to instead of trying to, to parse out um, the sleep quality and the percent of time that you're actually asleep, I think it's really like high level, easier to articulate to people, easier to kind of work on is give yourself a nightly eight hour sleep opportunity. I need you to be in your bed, not on your phone, not watching TV um, for eight hours trying to sleep. And I will say two things. One, I think this is the most important thing. I say it's the most important because it is going to make every single thing on this list easier. You will feel better. You'll have more energy. You will have better satiety. You'll be more optimistic. You'll be more likely to want to work out. You'll be more motivated. Like when I sleep like shit, I have more worse cravings. I'm more of a pessimist. I'm less likely to want to move. Um, and that pessimist one is it's actually incredibly important. Like um, just general um, feelings about what you're doing tend to really drive a lot of decisions. And they're all going to be, you know, likely worse if you sleep like shit. Um, the reason that it's an honorable mention and not number one on this list is just sometimes it's tough with clients who have kids. Like I want to be sympathetic. You have kids, whether they're newborns or infants or or preteens or teens, whatever. Like you don't always have 100% control over this, but at the same breath, I don't want to like let everybody off the hook. It's like, yeah, all right. If you, you're doing everything else, but you're sleeping four hours a night, like that's still unacceptable. It's just not going to work. Um, you know, it could work, right? And if you occasionally don't sleep well, it's not the end of the world, but get yourself a bedtime, get yourself an alarm, go to sleep at the same time, wake up at the same time, give yourself an eight hour sleep opportunity. I know it's easier said than done, especially if you have kids, but it is important. Listen, by the way, somebody the other day, I posted something like, it's easier said than done. I'm like, the best and most important things are usually easier said than done. Like, if it's easier said than done, it's probably really important to continue to try to do that thing. I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's, uh, not difficult sometimes. I'm just saying it's really fucking important to, to to work on. If you're getting five or six, seven hours, try and bump it up a little bit. I promise you, it will pay dividends. I know that it, it feels like this woo-woo thing. It's like, well, I'd rather put my mental bandwidth towards counting my calories. I promise you, I'd rather you for the first three months set a bedtime and a wake-up time that is consistent for you as often during the week as possible and try your best to stick to it. Like, if I could give you that gift that would be the most important thing on of anything on this list. It will make the biggest difference. So I'm going to end that podcast, the podcast here, roughly 35 minutes. I did a pretty good job trying to keep it to a half hour. Um, at the end of the day, this is where I'm coming from these days. If you hire me as a coach, if you hire anybody as a coach, well, I'll just stick with what I believe. I don't want to kind of, you know, kind of talk for anybody else, um, but we're going to work on this stuff first. And I'm sorry if that's a turnoff. If you're like hyper motivated to like jump into a fat loss phase now, like, if it hasn't worked for you in the past, I pro- like nine times out of 10, it hasn't worked for you because you haven't done this style. You haven't done this sort of foundational habit building first. That's why you're still in a position where it hasn't worked. That's what's like, 
that's what's going to make it different this time. I ask my clients, like, what's going to make it different this time? Like, if it's not different this time, how's it going to be different this time? Like, if you don't have a different approach this time, how's it going to be different this time? What, I have fucking special macros? I have special calorie numbers? I have special step, you know, requirements? Like, not really. Like, what we're going to do is we're going to build these foundational habits first. We're going to improve your health, you know, independent of fat loss. We're also going to make any future fat loss pursuits easier by getting these foundational habits in check. Um, And... Yeah, and I'm fairly bullish on it. If you haven't seen by now that I'm, I really think like there's almost no point in attempting fat loss because of how bad the weight loss sustaining and maintenance statistics are um, without doing these healthy habits first. And so again, independent of fat loss, you're gonna see health and quality of life improvements. And if you wanna try and lose fat loss in the future, guess what? It's gonna be a million times easier once you have this stuff in check. All right, catch you guys in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.